time for Lickin' On Lending. Welcome, everybody. Good to have you with us. Welcome to Lickin' On Lending, a weekly mortgage market update providing up-to-the-minute information on interest rates, loan programs, and hot industry news, all related to the mortgage industry. Brought to you by Transformational Mortgage Solutions. To participate in today's program, our guest call in line is 646-716-4972. Now here's your host of Lickin' On Lending, David Lickin. Let's begin. Listeners, I'm really excited to have Emily Farley of Atlantic Bay joining us today. I have the privilege of coaching Emily. And when you work with someone who is just being a great example of a tremendous leader, you want to share it with others because I think in these times, where we're all trying to figure out how to lead in these times, when you find someone that's doing it really well, I think it's important that we share that information. So the purpose of the context of this is, for those of you who are leaders, listen to how Emily's leading. She's doing an outstanding job. For those who are aspiring leaders, I want you to listen to this podcast and see how you would fit inside of this type of leadership style. She's doing a phenomenal job. I'm so excited to have you here, Emily. Welcome to the podcast again. Good to have you back. Thank you. And thank you for the kind words. I really appreciate that. You really are doing an outstanding job of leadership inside of Atlantic Bay. Atlantic Bay is a leader in and of itself, and you're a leader within that leading organization. So I'm really excited to share about it. Let's let our listeners get an understanding about how you got to where you're at. Emily, tell us a little bit about yourself and your journey to where you're at today. Sure. I know one of the favorite questions I have for people in the mortgage industry is how did you get here? So I'll try and be as brief as possible. But after college, I ended up moving to Virginia Beach, Virginia, and I was working for an investment company and I absolutely hated it. And I had a family friend that was in the mortgage business and she said, you need to meet Toby Harris. He's amazing. And you should get into the mortgage business. And I was like, I will do anything that you've got. <laughs> so I met him and he offered me a job as a processor, which is how I started in the industry. And I absolutely loved it. And of course, a natural progression is to be an underwriter. So I was offered a promotion within a year to be an underwriter. And I was a pretty terrible underwriter, so <laughs> it did not last long. It was 2003, which credit was no. pretty easy back then. And I over-conditioned every file and the mortgage bankers, of course, were not really thrilled about that. <laughs> not at all. So they said, hey, would you like to be an originator? And that was really my true goal anyway. And I did. And I absolutely loved that. And then had the opportunity to get into leadership, which was a passion of mine and I had been doing prior to the mortgage business. So then I had a great opportunity to, to lead a retail branch and some joint ventures that we had, and then met Brian Holland uh, in the industry, and he recruited me to Atlantic Bay in 2007, 2008, a crazy time in the industry, but it was one of the best decisions that I'd ever made. And We should insert, Brian is one of the founders of Atlantic Bay, so you got recruited yes. by one of the founders. Obviously, they were impressed with what you were doing there with Toby and go, let's get that talent over here. So Exactly. Was- yeah, they were had just transitioned from a broker to a lender. I really didn't have a lot of realtor or builder relationships. They needed to grow their sales team. So he uh, recruited me over to come help him do that. And it was a crazy fun time, but we saw a lot of growth in the next three to five years. And I had the opportunity to learn a lot and still do from him about leadership. And I had an opportunity to do a number of different things at Atlantic Bay. But now I have the honor of leading the sales team, regional managers, and all of our sales leadership across all branches. And we're having fun, even in this crazy time. That's so true. I think when you look at leadership, 
and the mentoring that Brian gave you. I'd like to have it just I'll honor Brian a little bit with that because he is a good leader. He is a good mentor. What are some things that when you think of him, if you were memorialize some of the things that he really passed on to you, some foundational things, what would be some of those leadership qualities? Yeah, he's a very patient leader, which is great. And he has a subtle way of mentoring. And I think one of the things that's always stuck with me is that he doesn't tell you what to do. He shares experiences and his expertise, but it really always led me to be able to find my own way and my own path in regards to it. And I usually could get his message of what he was trying to say. Actually, in our earlier days, his brother, Stan, is one of our owners also. And Stan was running operations and I was running sales, but it heads a lot as happens in the mortgage (laughs) industry. And we were out on the golf course one day and Brian just turned to me and said, I really need you to figure out the relationship with Stan and make this work. And that was a very subtle way of saying it, but I was like, yep. So that was the beginning of us trying to figure out a win. And some of our secret sauce at Atlantic Bay is how operations and sales work so seamlessly together, but it was definitely not at that time. And it got a very patient advice, but it was very poignant. Yeah, I, I love the idea. Of, and it's a subtle way of doing it. Brian has that style about him and it's very effective. Now you guys are in 17 states. You've been voted the best or number one best company to work for by National Mortgage News. That's a real honor. And, and this year and in 2021, am I correct in that? Yes, yes. And it was a big honor. And actually, overall, only number two to Shamrock, who I know you've recently had on yeah. Dean Harrington, was an amazing company. We have a lot of similarities in our leadership styles as a company. Dean's a great guy. Admire his leadership style. And you were number one. And then the previous year, and he just beat you up. I just he did. <laughs> I love the competitive juices. I could feel them flowing there. What I want to talk about is you have through your journey thus far, when you're talked about where you went to, but it's brought you to a philosophy of leadership. I want people to hear this because I think it really is such a good example of what leadership is about. Talk about your philosophy of leadership, Emily. Sure. And my philosophy aligns really well with one of our core values at Atlantic Bay, which is we genuinely care. And you know, I work with you a lot on, on personalities and how to lead different people. And I know one of the things about my personality is I've always tried to be very self-aware. I know my strengths. I know my weaknesses. And one of those strengths is that care, it is that relationship with people. And that's something that means a lot to me. And it's somewhere that I thrive and I want to know everything about the team. I want to know them personally and what they've got going on in their family life. I want to know professionally. And part of my goal is to make sure that they're happy and productive with their career path. And we're giving them all the tools that they can to be successful. And I think that really shines in the rest of our leadership team. It is a a, and as a cliche, a servant leadership, but mm-hmm. that's something that we really do and pour into our people. And it's not about us, it's about them and always trying to make them shine and, and grow. And then that'll ultimately lead to the success of the company and retention and recruiting of other people that really want to be in that environment. So that's when a big part of mine. And with part of that, though, it's also like knowing what I'm not good at and trying to surround myself with people. That's that, so good. Yeah. And compliment. And that's something that I always got from Brian Holland. Also, he has always said the success of Atlantic Bay is because of the people that are there. And I agree. I cannot thank the team that I have around me enough for the things that they bring and compliment everything that we do. 
you and I both believe in assistance. I have Cherry and Ben and you have Alexa and then your team that support you. And it makes such a difference when you focus on that. But there is this temptation to try to be all things, all people. Sometimes people view leadership as I've got to be able to do it all. How did you overcome that? Is that something that came easy to you, Emily? Or what's some lessons you could share with our listeners of how you came to the point where recognizing I need to defer to others? Yeah, that definitely has not come easy. And that's something you've actually helped coach me on too, is that it was very hard in the beginning of my career. I wanted to try and lead and do everything. And it's actually been something I've only worked on really hard over the last few years of saying, you know what? Nope, I don't need to do that. I can delegate that. I have people around me that are probably better at doing that than me. And that's a really conscious thought that I have to have on a daily basis. And even now in the moment, I will be in a situation or in a meeting and be like, all right, the follow-ups are, and I'll start taking them. I'm like, no, we have an Mm -hmm. incredible team that can do this better. And then I think it's back to that self-awareness and not being threatened by the people around you. I'm one of those that wants to lift people up and they push me to be better if they're better. And a lot of times that's what I need. I know recently one of our SVPs of business development, he like called me out in a meeting and he's like, this meeting was not good. <laughs> and I was like, you're right. You're right. And it led me to really, how do we get better at this? <laughs> yeah. I think what's so on is that going back and be willing to admit, yeah, it's not. And I think an ego shows up and then it gets in the way of getting honest feedback. And I think getting honest feedback is one of the most important things we can get. And you are just, yeah. that's why I love coach. You're so much fun to coach because you receive feedback so well. And that is a real struggle for a lot of leaders. And I want to just point that out and underscore that Thank real clearly you. to you. You are open to feedback. You solicit it, not only from Brian and the leaders, other, your fellow ELT or executive leadership team that's there, but also from within your rank and file. You're looking and oh, doing yeah. that 360 analysis. I love the stories you share. And it's so important. You've got a dynamic team, but it varies. So how do you transfer that philosophy of leadership into your regionals and to the branch managers that you're ultimately responsible for? Yeah, I try and empower them. And that's something that's really important. I'm constantly impressed with them. And it's back to the complimenting me of what we do as a team. And we just recently had a growth summit and, and that's what I wanted them to shine and for the team to see them as emerging leaders. And they came up with probably content for training and leadership growth that I could have never done. And I love seeing that. But again, I think it's back to that empowering them. I want them to run with it too. And whenever they do, it just makes me proud. And I think that we've got to have guidelines. We've got to have a vision. And I think that's really important to have that beacon out there. But everyone does things a little bit differently and there's no right or wrong way. And again, that's coming back to the personality types. And my personality is a certain way. And I have some managers that are very different than me. And it doesn't mean that they can't get to the better results, but it's going to be a different way. And I need to let that shine. And sometimes that's a little hard to, to do, but you just have to take a breath, trust it. And again, if it doesn't go well, that's our coaching moments. And that's when we say, okay, let's reflect on this. Let's see what we could have done different and how do we approach it next time and have a little bit better success. You talk about people. And we both love the book, Good to Great, Getting the Right People on the Bus, Getting the Right People Sitting on the Right Seats of the Bus. You guys are an EOS company. And I want to talk a little bit about that because I think it's you and Dean Harrington over at Shamrock share a love for EOS. Other companies are following the EOS methodology. It's a great program. So it's operating, by the way, EOS stands for 
Entrepreneur Operating System. Listeners, if you're not familiar with it, get the book and download it. But talk about that and how you have integrated EOS into your company, into your management structure. EOS was a game changer for us. And I know Dean talked about that too. And we were really executing, but not executing as well as we could have. Projects weren't getting completed efficiently. We definitely did not have the right people in the right seats. And it really helped give us a lot of clarity around our values, our mission, and our vision. And it was game-changing. We implemented it in 2018. And I don't know if we would have had the success that we've had since then if it wasn't in place. But Back to the right people. One of the first things that you do is look at your org chart and they call it an accountability chart. And you take out all the people and you put everything in there and say, okay, do we have the right positions? And then you put the people back in. And that was a good exercise. And we continue to do that. We're very big on assessments of personality and going deep with them, not just a disc at a high level of am I a D or am I an I, but really looking at where people's paths and strengths are. And then making sure they're in the right role, because we've had plenty of times that we've got good people, just not in the right seat, and we can shift and have success. Or on the other side, we've evaluated and think maybe these people aren't the right cultural fit, if they're in that seat, and it kind of need to make a shift then. And I know that you're a big favorite, and one of mine too, is Patrick Lencioni, and he's got some great books around it. And the new one, The Six Working Geniuses, is part of that too, that we really started to tackle because I think we even saw beyond just skill set, do we have the right skill sets in the room to accomplish everything? And that's a a big part of it. And he talks in that book, he talks about your working genius. There's your working frustration, your working competency. And out of the six categories, we always seem to have, most of us seem to have two that are really genius. We really gives us life. And those that give us frustration and then those that we can do, but doesn't bring us reward, but doesn't necessarily bring us frustration. It's so important for us to understand that when you're looking at your organization, how do you practically apply the disc, the six working geniuses, as you actually start working with, these are great things to talk about philosophically, but it's making them work on a day-to-day basis. How have you done that? That is not easy. I'll just even say back in my career, when I first got into sales back, you always talked about that and you had your four quadrants of people yeah. and where they fell in the mirror matching it. It never clicked for me. It did not click until uh, you know a number of years ago and through coaching that how important that was and how important it is with your leadership. But it has to become a way of life. And we have made it part of our culture. It's part of the hiring process that we do the assessments for people. Every single one of our leadership, every single one of our mortgage bankers, operation staff, corporate, we do these assessments and then we have them at access for everyone. So you can go into a meeting and look at it. And that's one of the things that I try and do oh, good. And yeah. coach our team is, okay, so I'm going to go meet with X regional today. I look at their assessment. I look at them because I actually have to frame my mindset to communicate right with them. Mm-hmm. And there's a great story with actually one of our, who at the time was a regional. Now he's our chief strategy officer, John, and he is completely the opposite personality of me. He is incredibly analytical, very quiet, very deliberate, wonderful gentlemen, and we are completely opposite, but I was having a tough time leading him in the beginning of our relationship together. And finally it clicked. And I looked at his personality and I had a coach at the time that said, I was asking him questions and then he would just sit there and I'd just be frustrated. And then I'd start talking again. And she was like, ask him the question and then be quiet. And I was like, Oh, that's really tough. 
She's like, nope. And she's count to 20 in your head if you're having a problem. Yep. Because if you have a personality that's very outgoing and a high eye, like why it's difficult to, to keep your mouth quiet. But I did. And, and he then was, I could see his brain working and reflecting during that time when I actually gave him a moment. And he says to this day, it was one of the, the best leadership things that ever happened to him because no one had ever really taken that time to let him process. So I try and still be conscious of it. But other people knowing, again, the words that you need to do use when you go into those meetings with them, how you need to have your cadence is so important, really. I think that's that practical application, what you're just saying there is so good. It's taking the time to prepare to go into a meeting and look at this person yeah. rather than just walking in and approaching. Because normally we approach every meeting, every interaction from our own personal style. And right. we need to make it to be effective leader, which is so important, is to talk to the right people that's sitting on the bus and talk to them in the way that they'll receive it. That's just so really good, which really gets into the whole topic of communication. And this is something I'm really watching you shine in, Emily. You are doing videos you caught on to something i believe in the power of and that is videos communicating from your heart important messages and there's two types of videos and i want to get into the importance of communication you're doing such an outstanding job i'd love to just be able to share that with everybody but talk about communication specifically as it relates to video yeah I will say, and people probably think I'm crazy for saying this, is I actually love doing videos now. <laughs> I'm not. Did ever it start out that way? That. Did it start that way? <laughs> Absolutely not. Okay. Um, Important thing I, I want to say here. Yes, it was. Exactly. It, yeah. And I will still tell you to this day, I can't stand my voice. I do weird things. I'm flipping my hair. I'm talking with my hands. I'm very animated. And I do not even watch my videos. I can't. It's incredibly unbearable. But the way it started was I, as you can tell, I'm a people person. I love being out. I love being with the team. And when COVID happened, it was really devastating for me because part of my energy was the interactions with everybody and the communication and talking with them. And I couldn't, and I couldn't, there's only so many hours a day. I couldn't go to the offices. So I knew at that time, communication was so key. So I started doing weekly videos to the team. And, and I will tell you, everyone else, they were awful in the beginning. But I just stuck with it and I stopped after COVID because I could get back out to the offices and I was traveling again. And I realized in the last year with the challenges that no, I needed to make this a consistent thing in our business and my communication. And with video, again, my personality can come across, which is something I think is important. I will tell you, I'm horrible at spelling. I'm horrible at grammar, even being raised by an English teacher and in video, though, it, I can do one quicker. I feel like it's more passionate. There can be empathy. There can be seriousness that'll come across, not just like an email that you're sending out to the team. And I always tell people, it's like you get connected to TV characters or movie characters and you feel like you know them and you've never met these people. Either. They're just actors. I feel like with video, if I'm not there, if I can't talk to somebody, they at least know that I'm there. They're feeling connected to the organization. They're feeling connected to me. And not only the group ones, I try and do individual text ones and they're busy or they're doing different things. So a little video text, knowing that I'm thinking about them or you're helping coach me around different things to recognize them with. Even if they don't have time for a call, they get that and hopefully it brings some brightness to their day and some connection to the organization. So I am embracing it and I love it. And I've even with your coaching stepped up how many I'm doing, which yeah, is, I know uh, that, yeah. which is when fun. You, when I first told you, I want you to do this, you know, I want you to do three to four of these a day, these short little encouragement videos. And you go, once it becomes a routine, once it becomes a habit, 
we're communicating every minute of our lives. Why not just record some of it? It doesn't have to be perfect. It needs to be just the thoughtfulness. It's that fact that you have taken the time as a leader in your organization to speak to each one of these individuals, speak to them in a personal way. It's not just, Hey, how are you? And it's just, it's, but it's really making it personal where they know you took the time and you noticed the number of locks I've done. You've noticed something my kids are doing on social media or whatever. I think it's just so powerful. It's the Tiffany Rose is one of our guests we had on talked about a one to many ratio in this time in the market. You're doing such a good job of communicating to your people the importance of, if you're going to be successful, you need to step up your activity. You, yes. Once in one of our recent coaching calls, I mentioned this on the podcast recently about you have one individual who is just crushing it and she's yeah. doing a phenomenal job. And it's because she stepped up her activity. That's it's just, if you need to do more contact, more get out there. I think right. it's just, exactly. yeah, it's but it's so not easy. It, it, it isn't easy and it is a mindset. And that's something we just interviewed yesterday, Jason Abel of Rewire. And he talks a lot about mindset, both he and Steve do a great job on them. I compliment and give them a big shout out because I'm really looking forward to sharing that podcast. But then it comes down to you actually doing it. If for someone that is looking to say, okay, I get it, I get it, I get it. I know I have to do videos. What are the things that helped you start doing it? Actually yeah. just executing it on it. I'm a big systems person. I will tell you time blocking is the first thing. You've mm -hmm. got to set time in your day. You've got to set time in your calendar. And my amazing teammate, Alexis, she has time scheduled every day and every week for me to do videos. There's the daily ones that just take a little bit of time. So I can knock those out probably in 10 minutes. But then I've got my other larger videos that take time to prep for what you're going to actually say and then get out. And, and she has some scheduled time for that. And I'm doing a lot of social media. So the ones that are go on social media, that is it. And then having a plan about what to talk about. Some days yeah. I have like content that I write down all the time. Oh, this is a good idea. This is a good idea. And for my ones that go out to the entire company. And I would say those, the ones that are the best are the ones that are the most passionate and inspired. And sometimes I even, oh man, should I hold back a little on this? Or should I not be as frank as I am? But I would say just be you and be passionate. And some of the ones that I get fired up about are the ones that I get the best responses from, or especially when I wake up in the middle of the night and you've got those things that are stressing you out. And I'm like, you know what? I need to communicate about this. Those get amazing reactions. But then back to the individual ones, like you said, taking the time and having a team that helps me gather information about people. And I'm also on social media, seeing what they're doing, looking at the reports, just having a plan for that. I think is so key with going into it because just saying hi is okay, but you want to make it a little bit more meaningful and disseminate information. People's time is so valuable. It has to be valuable content with it. I think that repetition brings about excellence. So we do something over and over and over again, we get better at it each time. So you talked about how you start out, you weren't pleased with the original product, but you kept at it and kept going at it. The most important part, when I listen to your videos, I go back and watch them, you send them to me. I'm grateful that you do that. So I get to, again, that's one of my jobs as your coach is to go and critique and how you can even make it a little bit more effective. But the thing you cannot get away from it, when you communicate from your heart, and that's why I'm saying, I would rather have you communicate from your heart with the element of transparency there than anything else. And you do that so effectively. It's not so much about, did I say this perfectly? I, I have to overcome this all the time with the podcast because my mind runs ahead of my mouth and I'm interrupting myself with my next best thought. But most important part is if we speak from the heart, if we're saying the things from the heart, that's the most important part and doing so. And with a certain amount of yes. transparency and, and talking about things that 
you do well and that you don't do well. I think that's just really really important. Thank you. And I'll say that I do pretty much one take. I don't have time to do a bunch of takes. I'm going to mess up pretty bad or say something really horrible. That's part of the naturalness of it. And I would tell people that again, don't just do it over and over. And these people that say they did 50 takes and it took them out. No, shoot it, be you just, and let it roll. And again, like I said, I don't even watch them unless I feel like there's something like the sound was weird or something was good. They're not going to be able to hear it, but don't even watch them and just go with it. In fact, you said, I recently really second guessed one of them that I was going to do. Our leadership team was getting ready to be at our sales growth summit and out of the office. And I knew the mortgage bankers were going to be like, why are all the leaders gone? And what are they spending money on this? And is this important? Remember and I that just video. put it out there. I'm like, let's just put it out there. And I added some humor to it to make sure that they could see. But I got a lot of responses. And it's back to what you said, that transparency right now and honesty and just raw passion is something that they want to see. And especially from the leadership team. And I say that to leaders out there. If you're worried about saying something, I know we can't communicate everything that's going on, but but they want to know. I mean, they're questioning things and they need to hear from you in regards to it. And some of it's realistic in the market that we're in, and it's not necessarily the most positive, but they've got to know that you're there and that you've got a plan around what's happening right now in the industry. Yeah. One of the things that I really love about what the culture Brian and Stan have created there is it allows you to develop yourself as a leader which brings about a, a, a way of ownership and empowerment. It is very empowering. It says, I want you to lead, but I want you to lead Emily style. Talk about yeah. that culture there at Atlantic Bay, because it's something that's special. It is. And then I'm a very self-driven person. And it, it actually, I think with a lot of leaders, it takes you a while to find your leadership voice. And that was difficult in the beginning of my career, because you're looking at other people, you're looking at mentors and think that you need to be like them. But one of the things that Brian and Stan and our other owner, Brian Mason, have always encouraged is just to be you. And you can find a way to approach things in your way. Again, my personality, I know, doesn't love difficult conversations. And in leadership, that's something you have to do a lot of. And in the beginning of my career, I approached them incredibly poorly and aggressively because I thought that's what needed to happen. And I ended up not having the results I needed, ended up not you know, leading in a positive way. But I was able to transition through help and mentoring and empowerment to say, you know what, you can have that conversation. You can do it in an empathetic way and be direct enough to get that point across. And they've allowed me to be like that. And again, take the vision of the company and run in my way. And I really try and pay that forward. Like I said, each of our managers are very different. Our different executives are very different. And sometimes we question some things, but we have to have that trust and Like I said, I love seeing that. We've got a a new regional manager that's joined us for the last couple of years, and he's taken a very aggressive approach to social media and and his voice out there. And he's, are you sure you're okay with this? And I'm like, yes, that's your voice. You're not saying anything inappropriate. You're not saying anything bad, but it is a little bit edgy. And I'm like, if that's you and that's what your team sees and loves from you, and that's what you're going to attract. So go for it. So it's, we need to encourage people around that and to be their true selves. How often do you meet with your people and what are you finding about regularity? Because I think in this time, a lot of people are really struggling with time and the right time allocations. Yeah. And that comes back to the EOS process. Part of the EOS process is that you have an annual planning session that you set your goals and you review your three-year goals. You have quarterly meetings that you set your rocks. And then you have L10 meetings frequently. So I meet with all of my direct reports every two weeks for our L10 meetings. And we have a quarterly 
rock setting and an annual planning session. Obviously, there's ad hoc things that happen between them, but those are very scheduled formal meetings that we have an agenda that we go through. And I feel like that's really important. And that's something that I require them to do also is you get in that habit, well, I'm talking to every day or they're calling me with this problem. And yes, that happens. But we have those meetings to go through our rocks for the quarter, to go through our measurables, to go through where we're at, people issues, anything that's going on. And that's important. And it does come down to time blocking. There's only so many hours in the day and you've got to just be really strategic. I've shortened a lot of my meetings. That's something that I have done. I now do a lot of 30-minute meetings, 45-minute meetings, very few hour meetings, sometimes even 15-minute meetings, because it's amazing what you can accomplish in 30 minutes that you maybe had scheduled an hour for. And if you're staying especially on if, agenda, if you're prepared, especially if you're prepared, yes. if you go prepared and you know exactly what you want to say, you can get yep. you to it much more. Much exactly. And we're very efficient with our meetings. There's an agenda that's already pre-planned. Teammates, we set those a week in advance for all of the meetings coming up in the week. If there's any materials that I want anybody to review coming into that meeting, they need to just send them to me and they need to review it. So we try and be very intentional with our time. And that's something because one of our cultural things is definitely a work-life balance that our owners have always instilled in us and taking time away and making sure you're spending the time with family. And that means that we have to be very intentional with what we do during the day. And it pays off because then you can have that quality time and not have to worry. Yeah, I love one of your videos you recently did out to your organization about having an absolute gratitude out there and going out there and being grateful and just creating a mindset and putting a lot of this in perspective. What you talked about the time that you and your husband, David, went out and worked with a very sad story about someone struggling with their youngest child with very serious cancer and they're living in a trailer and how you went out and made such a difference. I think that's caring about people and reaching out is so important. And it's not like, look at what we're doing. It's going on doing because it, it makes such a difference in your own lives. I want to talk about, as we wrap this interview up today, I want to talk about these are challenging times. I've been in the industry for 50 years. I'm not sure we've seen in my 50 years, a market quite as difficult as it is right now. Now, everyone says, yes, interest rates are pretty much at a median level where they've been at over a long period of time, but we're coming off some of the lowest rates and some of the greatest highs in production. And a lot of people are really struggling. What are you telling your organization? How are you helping not only your salespeople, but your entire organization get through this time and actually set themselves up for success? Yeah, it's tough right now. And I know that all the leaders out there were all in the same boat because it is so challenging. Again, I led through the 2007 to 2009 period and everyone's, oh, it wasn't, it's worse now. And there was differences then than now. And I think both were incredibly challenging, but we adopted something at the beginning of the year that we've held fast as a leadership team. And it's really helping inspire our people right now. And that we're just as our mantra and we are focused on mindset skill set and activities and things that we can control. We cannot control interest rates. We cannot control inventory. I can't control what other competitors are doing, you know, with cutting prices on rates and cetera. We cannot control any of that. We can only focus on our mindset, elevate our skill set and up our activities. And that is what we talk about every single day. And it's back to the mindset is tough. There's a lot of people struggling. There's a lot of people financially struggling. They're mentally and, and having to get in a right mindset to do the things they need to do in this market. And we're having a lot of difficult conversations and back to the things that a lot of them hurt my heart seeing these people struggle, but we've got to help them keep that positive mindset and then do that through really pushing the activities. And it's hard because you can't get you know connected to the results as much right now because you're not going to see them as much. 
even to double, triple the amount of activities that you need to do, but we've got to just keep people going. And we have a great leadership team across the entire company that does that and amazing loan officers and sharing the successes. It comes back to those videos and things. We're getting ready to have our town hall next week. And we're highlighting a number of our top producers that are just dominating right now in this market or having better years than they've even had over the last few with wow. what they're doing. And yeah. it's going to be great. And I think hopefully some folks can take that away, but you've got to have some of those tough conversations. I was talking with one of our regionals last week and she had a loan officer come in tears and was upset because the results weren't there. And she said, honestly, I had to tell you, you're not doing enough activities and you're not doing the right activities. That's that and tough talk. That, 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 I love that because it, you don't like, it, you don't do the coddling and I'm so sorry. Yes. There's an element of compassion. Yes. But at the end of the day, it's get back and look at your activities. It's so important. I, I admire that. that. And that's it. You can only control you. And that's if you're doing the right activities, we've got an amazing support system for our team members to help them with that. But that's key. And I'll tell you what the mindset is not easy. Some days I get into it. It's like a grief, but I will say the videos and some of the gratitude, it helps you get in that better mindset. And that's one of the things that we preach too, is that if you're having a bad day, the best way to get out of it is to share some love and gratitude to somebody else. Thank your processor, call a realtor and talk with them about how much you've appreciate the relationship, do some different things to get a better mindset and also lift somebody else up, which is something really important right now. That's a great way to wrap up this interview. It's such a good point. Just anchor on in on those wise words right there, listeners. So good. Emily Farley, thank you so much for being here with us. How can people reach out to you? There's some people listening to this and go, I want her as my leader. How can I get a hold of her? <laughs> thank you. You can definitely find me at AtlanticBay.com. I'm Emily Farley at AtlanticBay.com. Feel free to follow me on social media. I do a lot on Instagram and it's growth with Emily Gardner, which is actually my married name. I, I got married, you know, late in my career. So it's confusing to folks, but love to reach out to you. And you can always reach me on my cell phone, uh, which is, uh, we can give it to you, Dave, but it's 757-575-3289. Even I love just hearing from peers. I have a great peer network across the industry and we share ideas and I'm always available. If anybody just needs any sort of information or advice, I'm here to help. Well, continued success, Emily. It's a joy to work with you and coach you because of your desire to grow and learn. And it's so important and it's a wonderful mindset. You're doing all three of those things really well. Thanks for being with us today and sharing your vision and some of your history and some of your background. And hopefully it'll inspire some new leaders out there. Yeah, thank you, David. I couldn't do it without you. And I really just appreciate you as a coach and continuing to push me to new heights. So I really uh, enjoy our relationship and all that you do for me. It's a mutual respect and a mutual honor. Thank you so much. Thank you. Hey, listeners, this hot topic would not be possible without our sponsors. I want to say a special thank you again to Byte Software, Finastra, Total Expert, Candor Technologies, Simple Nexus, iEmergent, the Mortgage Bankers Association of America, Lenders One, the Mortgage Collaborative, Knowledge Coop, Mobility MMI, and Modex. Be sure to check out each of those sponsors and their sponsor on our website, Licking on Lending, at the sponsorship page. Thank you. You've been listening to Licking on Lending, a weekly mortgage market update with your host, David Licken of Transformational Mortgage Solutions. Join us next week, and thanks for listening.